Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. This week's episode is with Dwayne Gill, the comedy cop. Dwayne was a, a Michigan State trooper for over 29 years. He just recently retired, and man, does he have a story to tell. He does not hold back on his feelings about policing, about his ex-wife, uh, about the military growing up. I mean, he's open and honest, and it's funny. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Enjoy the comedy cop, Dwayne Gill. Here's a time, why hit the time. Man, I am wired today, bro. I am ready to go, man. Had a great ride. Got my man D. Gill up in a motherfucker. One, two. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini, man. I am so happy today. I got my dude here. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I, I feel stuff like, you know, when I watch TV and, and see the cops doing the bad stuff. But you know what? I also know there's good cops out there. And my man I'm going to interview right now, I'm going to talk to right now, he's not only a cop. When well, I he's a retired cop, he was also a comic cop. He's a friend. And I didn't know this. He used to be a Marine. This dude did everything. And now he's talking to me. My man, Dwayne Gill. What's up, brother? How you doing? Man, I'm so glad to be here, BT. It's good to see your face and to hear your voice. And thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Yes, sir. Retired. No, you know what? Honestly, man, it's like I, I talk a lot of shit about cops, but but I, but, I, but I tell people, I like, it's, it's the bad cops. I have nothing against good cops. It's the bad cops. I understand how it is with uh, when it comes to. I say that as a cop gets out of her, out of a car, she gets. <laughs> and I ain't gonna lie, man, she's beautiful. She can. Be, how you doing, cop? How are you? You. How you doing, cop? Yeah. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> cop. I see you in the reflection. She nice looks so. Blouse. She looks so beautiful. Honestly, I would like to buy cocaine and then have her bust me just so. So she can go, put your hands up. I go, okay, that's how beautiful she was. But anyway, back to you, man. What's the first thing you did uh, when you retired? I mean, the, the very first thing you did, you're done. You hand your walking oh, papers in. What did you do, bro? Did you, honestly, did you Did you have like a, a sense of melancholy? Like, this is it? Or you're like, man, fuck all these dudes. I'm about to, I'm about to go wild the fuck out. What did you do? You know what the hard part was? Was what? when I turned my badge in. Really? That was, that was emotional, man, because, uh, uh, like somebody said, what he said, my, my two best days on the department was the first day that I got my badge and the last day when I turned it in, those were my two best days ever in the Michigan state police. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was emotional, man. Cause I mean, dude, I've been wearing that badge since 1993, man. I remember getting to that graduation and holding it in my hand and waiting to get it pinned on me. And I, and I took it off, uh, uh, on July 29th, man, it was, it was, it was kind of it was kind of difficult, man. Made me feel some type of way, bro. Kind of like white dudes when it, when when they, when they when they buy a boat and when they sell a boat. You know how they always say that their best day is when they buy a boat and the other best day is when they sell that goddamn boat. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I Thank hear. You. That's what Thank I hear. Thank you for minimizing that moment. <laughs> well, so much. <laughs> well, well, I never hear black dudes say, "Man, the best day of my life is when I bought that boat," and the second day, <laughs> best day was when I sold that boat. You never hear black dudes say that. It's always white dudes. Like, so yeah, so so basically, it was like you. That, that was your boat. That badge was your boat. Basically. <laughs> This is gonna be a long interview, but so anyway. No, man. No, I mean, honestly, no. I mean, no. Uh, jokes aside, man. I, yes. yeah, because I mean, and we've talked before. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And I know, and like I said, you know, people and you people don't understand. I, uh, my three professions that I wanted to do were acting, comedian, okay, actor, comedian, you know, entertainment, basically. And after that, yep. though, it, it was coach and it was cop. Okay. I, wanted to, I wanted to be a cop. I said, you know what? They're at my house all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> 
why not, if you can't beat them, join them? I just think the greatest thing ever was, you know, be one of those dudes who were like, you know, like, be undercover and they go, hey, man, you got the stuff? Yeah, I got the stuff. They go, freeze, motherfucker, get on the ground. I thought that would be the coolest shit in the world. I and did like, that. I've done that. I've done that before. I've it, worked undercover. I, well, you know what? I, why would you be black undercover? I mean, isn't, isn't it like a death wish? I mean, because if, no. if, if the other ones don't know you're a cop and you're black, I mean, why would you do that to yourself? He just did it, man. It was actually it was fun. It's like being a low paid actor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was actually awesome. You know, uh, and that used to be funny too, man, because I would do these long term investigations where I would get to know the person, and I'd be undercover being somebody else. Like my undercover name was um, what was it? It was Dwayne Carter. <laughs> yeah, Dwayne Carter. Dwayne <laughs> DC. They call you DC. DC. Yep, DC. Yep, yep. And I would go in. I would buy. And then they would arrest us. And then later on, we'd both be sitting in court. And the dude would be like, yo, dog, they ain't got nothing on us. I'd be like, okay. They'd be like, Detective Gill. I'd be like, I'll be right back, man. <laughs> and then and he'd, get, he'd be like, oh, God. Oh, snap. It's the police. And then they would give me the greatest compliment in the world. Because afterwards, you talk to them. They'd be like, dog, you was good, man. We had no idea, man. You was good, dog. They'd be like, dog, give me a power player. You was on. Really? So, yeah, really? man. Yeah, yeah, man. I got a bunch of those stories, man. But yeah, man. That's, that was fun stuff, man. But I did that real early in my career. I did that back in the 90s. And then um, I started doing other stuff. I was um, I was the governor security um, uh, guard. I was in the governor security section where I was like secret service for the governor. And uh, for the last three governors in Michigan. And then um, I was a lobbyist in the state police. Uh, I used to ride the motorcycle. Yes. I did a bunch of stuff. I know you like the motorcycle, BT, but I rode the old Harley. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. A true, true story, because I know you're a state trooper. And, and uh, true story, I got pulled over and I was riding dirty. I was going to a gig and my, <laughs> and my license wasn't right. I got pulled over. It was it was a black state trooper. And so he, uh, you know, like, you know, I, I, I knew I was in the wrong. He's talking about, yeah. And so uh, he goes, OK, what I want you to do is I want you to get out and walk you know, to the front of the car and keep your back to me. Hands up. I said, OK, gotcha. He went through my backpack. And he saw that I had a motorcycle magazine in it. And we, we, that's how long ago this was. This is the most, he goes, you ride? I go, yeah. And right then and there, I go, I'm getting out of this shit. <laughs> and, he goes, yeah. and, he, and he goes, and he goes, you ever been to Myrtle? I go, yeah, I went to Myrtle Beach last year. He goes, yeah, me too. You, you know, the black, uh, black bike rider? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we start talking. He goes, all right, man, listen. And I know I was getting hey. out. He goes, listen, if you get pulled over, I can't help you. I said, I got you. And he goes, all right. And he just left. He took off, right? He and he took off. And then, so I, I think he, he goes, I'm going to that exit right there. I'm getting off. And he goes, good luck. And he just went like that. And that's where riding, uh, that's why riding that camaraderie with motorcycles, that's where it came in. So it was a great Yeah, issue. man. Yeah, man. So yeah, I've done a lot, man. But I'm done, dog. Done. Done. What so. made you want to be a cop anyway, though, man? I mean, I know you were like, I mean, I, I mean, from from the looks of your record, back me up. But you seem like a dude who's always structured or always a yeah. disciplined dude. Because I saw you were Marines, and you can't be yeah. like, like you know, like undisciplined and be a Marine. So what made you right. become a cop, though? What made you? Well, you know? what happened was I was in the Marines, and I actually was going to make the Marine Corps career. I was going to stay for 20, 30 years in the Marines. I I enjoyed it. It was great. But I had got a family and, you know, whatnot. And it was time for me to go. They were about to send me to Okinawa for like a year unaccompanied without my family or three years with my family. And my wife at the time was like, well, I'm not going to Japan, you know, because she's black. 
And then uh, <laughs> you said that, not me. You said yeah. that, not me. Yeah, you know, not just there. You know, instead of looking at, wow, that would be really great for our kids and some culture and this and that, but. You know, she ignorant. So anyway. And that's why um, you're in a studio apartment right now. That's why it's yes, blurred why I'm out. in the studio. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I uh, I decided my best friend was a state trooper. And then uh, he took me out on the road with him. And I got a chance to see what he does. And I was like, man, this is a pretty cool job. You know, nice car. You know, drive up and down the freeway, pull people over, give them tickets, arrest some people here and there. And, and, and then they're like, and you get overtime. I'm like, overtime? What the hell is overtime? So then, because I didn't know what I, because I went to Marine Corps when I was 17. So I got out, I became an Ann Arbor police officer first because the state police wasn't hiring. And then I joined the Michigan State Police in uh, June of 93. And it, I hadn't, I hadn't looked back, man. And it was, it was fantastic. It was a great, it has been a great career. But in the middle of that, I picked up stand up comedy as something to humanize the badge and as a activity to do outside of work. And that turned into a whole nother career. And then both those careers would collide all the time. And the next thing you know, I'm getting internal investigations and getting sued and why you get sued? complaints. Why, oh, dude. Why'd you get sued? For why? Why are we getting sued? You're doing comedy. Exactly. Well, I wasn't the person, the, the target of the lawsuit, uh, but people within my agency at the time, uh, a couple of racist state troopers and i can say that now because i'm not with those motherfuckers anymore uh a couple of racist state troopers claim reverse racism and saying that what they did um would not if if they had been black and if they had been Dwayne gill they would have never gotten in the trouble that they got into and what they did was interfere in a promotional process which is not right and they wanted somebody else and they were saying that uh, white troopers are being marginalized within the agency. And all through the lawsuit, Dwayne Gill did this. Dwayne Gill did that. Dwayne Gill did this. Dwayne. I mean, my name was like everywhere, man. I was like, God damn, you know, just, you know, and I used to get, you know, I would get in trouble because I tell a joke. And the next thing you know, I'm getting in, investigated by internal affairs. And then they want to give me five days off for telling the goddamn joke. Okay, what was, what, was what was the joke? 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 Guys, tell me the joke. I was at a, I was, okay, I'll tell you. I was at a retirement party and uh, a friend of mine was retiring. And, and when people retire, it's kind of like a roast. Okay. So the person that got up in front of me was this female captain that I hated and uh, at the time. And we, we, we so so now. But anyway, I didn't like her because she wrote me up for some other shit. She wrote me up for, uh, for say, a WPS on uh on facebook which is white people shit right <laughs> <laughs> so of course of course after i gotten that i've got a letter in my file for two years because of it which stopped me from getting promoted whatever so anyway um she gets up and speaks about the retiree guy retiring says nice things about him and i'm standing in the wings getting ready to go up and everybody sees me and they're there like, oh shit Dwayne about to go up you know he's gonna say something so then i she's like i'm not afraid of him so i go up and i say hey first of all give a big round of applause for retired 
Captain Monica, yes. Give her a big round of applause. I said, I'm so glad she's retired. I'm so glad she's retired. I'm so, so glad she's retired. And everybody laughs. And then I say, uh, I say, you know, I'm really glad to be here. I said, uh, I'm the only one that wore a suit today. And you should wear a suit when you honor a person retired. You should get dressed up. I see everybody else in the room wearing nothing but T-shirts and shorts, which is, to me, some serious WPS, white people shit. And man, they started laughing and whatnot. And I told a couple more jokes. The next thing I know, things went fine. I left a couple days later. Oh man, everybody thought the jokes was funny, but man, I think, I think you're gonna get in trouble for that. I said in trouble, first of all, I'm at a retirement party. I'm not on duty. I'm, I'm just telling a joke, you know, whatever. And so next thing you know, they, Internal Affairs opens an investigation. This one guy that was there complained about it, and um, you gotta be shitting. Yeah, man. So then, long story short, I, I they they sustained it. They were gonna give me five days off. All right, BT. It would be just like if you were sitting in my living room. It was me, you, and another guy sitting in my living room, and I say, hey, BT, you, you, you always doing some WPS white people shit. The other guy goes to my job. And complains that in my living room, I said you were doing white people shit, and I want you in trouble. It was, it, 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 I wasn't on duty. I wasn't in the facility. Not, so anyway, I appealed it, and I told them that I have a First Amendment right to say what I want to say. I was off duty. If if and also um, there was captains and majors and colonels there. And if they had a problem with it and they didn't report, that means they are just as much trouble as I am. And the bottom line is that black troopers get treated different than white troopers anyway. And they were like, dismiss. <laughs> dismiss. <laughs> they threw that shit out because, man, I have my lawyer on speed dial because he Good. said as soon as I got, if I got punished, we were going to drop a lawsuit on their ass. Good for and, man. Good for you. I just can't believe of all this shit. No offense. Of all the shit cops do, that yeah. that's what that's what set them off. Like he hurt our feelings, right? And, it, yeah. like said, and it's at a party, a retirement party. party. And if they're yeah. and, if they, and if they're wearing the flip flops and the shorts and just whatever, and you can't tell me that before you walked in, they wouldn't tell them those kind of jokes. And they and they gonna get mad at you. I mean, come on. They got mad at me. Dude, it was bullshit. And the thing that makes it even worse, and I said it in my hearing, we had a director of the state police and and uh, this female that used to say things way worse than I would ever say at a retirement party. But did she get written up? No. Did anybody? I said I was the only one in the history of the Michigan State Police to get written up for telling an off-color joke at a goddamn retirement party, man. Those motherfuckers can eat a dick. That's all I'm saying. Eat three dicks. How about that? Exactly. Eat three dicks exactly. and nibble on my bullshit. balls. And yeah, nibble exactly. on my balls. So I'm my done, man. I'm so, I'm so happy. I'm so fucking happy I'm done with that bullshit, man. I'm, man, dude, I feel like a free slave, man. I ain't gonna lie. I was gonna say that, but I'm glad you went there. I go, man, you feel like you just, <laughs> you just got your running papers. Like Harriet Tubman got you I in the, like Harriet Tubman got you in the Canada and you, you know what? I'm gonna do some cocaine. That's what you, that's what it, that's what it sounds like. You sound like you are happy, man. I'm I'm like, Ooh. I feel I feel good and bad in a way. I'm like, oh my God. I'm I'm sorry, D, that you yeah, feel this man. way. Don't feel bad. I'm but, done, man. I got my money. I'm good. Fuck these people. I'm done. I got a great uh you know, I'm doing the stand-up comedy. And then I'm also I open up my own little uh security consulting company where I where I do security assessments 
on um, with in conjunction with another company on uh, schools and uh, facilities and people's businesses and make sure they're safe. And, you know, with this active shooting thing going on, you know, I've got the skills to be able to do that. And, and it's been it's going to be very uh, lucrative. How so, can, good. How, now, can we stop? active shooters or is that just something we got to deal with and have to assess situations? Well, unfortunately we, it's something that we can't stop because you got crazy people out here all the time. There's some things that we can do to mitigate these situations. And what we need to do is make sure that all schools and businesses have some type of safety plan or some type of safety uh, policy in place um, that will allow a lockdowns of school. If, if a threat um, happens, um, to make sure that they are monitoring people that come in and out of the school um, and things of that nature, cameras, uh, public address systems, training, all the things that we can do to, to, to make schools and businesses as safe as we can. Because it used to be we used to worry about threats like weather, tornadoes and uh, hurricanes. Things. Now you got to have a bomb bomb threat you got to have active shooter threat you got to have tornado drill you gotta have comedian drills you know if the black comedian comes in your school that's a state trooper and tells an off-color joke who do you call 1-800 internal affairs and state police <laughs> drop it Dwayne. drop it it's over yeah. it's over now you're off the force you're off the force, bro. <laughs> I mean, you gotta have all kind of all kind of safety measures against Dwayne Gill because he may come to your town and just stick that finger right up your ass, and you'll be so uncomfortable that you go complain, you know, because of his off-color jokes, man. <laughs> Fuck all of you motherfuckers. Okay, I'm sorry. He, he's I'm feeling sorry. this, ain't he? Why, you feel that? He's in this. No, no, no. Don't be sorry. You know why? You need I'm this, sorry. obviously. I'm I can tell. I'm no, so you need this. You know why I knew this? And I was going to bring this up because on your, one of your last posts on your Instagram, you said my first re- uh, gig post-retirement, and then you said hashtag fuck IA. And I was yeah. like, man. <laughs> I was like, this dude is ready to uh, let it all hang out. Man. Those motherfuckers made my life hell, man, for 29 years, man. Every five minutes, I'm getting a complaint, getting a complaint. I got to get a union uh, rep. I got to go to sit down. Dude, do you know that during one of the complaints during the internal affairs investigation, they went on my YouTube page and they went through each and every joke that I tell I told and asked me, like said, is it, is, did you tell this joke that you went to uh, California, you did a show and, uh, and uh, afterwards uh, it was a Chinese restaurant. The name of the restaurant you went to was called Me Hang Low. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything against Asians or, or people of Asian descent? No, that was the name of the fucking restaurant and it's a joke. Yeah, okay. Well, did you tell a joke that um, you're glad that all gays have the right to get married so they can be miserable like all the rest of us? Yes. Jeez, <laughs> are you serious? Everything against gays? No. I like them. They decorate great. They, uh, <laughs> they, got, they got great fashion sense. You know, what the fuck, you know? Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were sitting, like, have they ever been to a comedy show? Do they know what comedy is? I mean, honestly, I yeah, mean, did they yeah. know what comedy was? Like, I mean, did, did it get to the point you go, are, are you, are we serious right now? Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's people who were killing people. Like, I'm like, like the one guy, when I hit you up on a private message that yeah. shot somebody in the back of the head for a traffic stop. Meanwhile, yeah. they're quizzing you over jokes. They quizzed me over jokes, man. 
over jokes, over jokes, and over and over good jokes. I may say, I might add, there are good jokes. Let me tell you something. <laughs> and, and let me tell you something. I'm gonna give you your props now. I was gonna do this later, but since we're on the time, honestly, because I remember I, I forget where we met, and I was like, okay, man, he's like, you know, no, uh, no, get me wrong. I met a couple cops who won a contest, and they think they're comedians. But you, and this is where I knew you were serious about your shit. We were at the Laughlin Comedy Festival. That's and, where we were. At. That's yeah, where we met. and and you yeah. went to a lot of you went to and watched a lot of comics, and you I could tell what you were doing and I was like nah this dude is serious about his shit because everywhere I would go you were there and I remember we, we went uh, not together but you was, we saw uh, uh, Larry the Cable Guy and, yeah. I remember, and you uh, we talked to some other comics and you everywhere I was at you were there and I go okay this dude is serious about his he, he ain't just one of them dudes that wins a contest and thinks he's a yeah. comic you, yeah, took, yeah, yeah. you took this shit and that's why and that's why there was a level of respect right then and there I go okay well, I appreciate gotcha. that yeah. no yeah. I mean that I mean don't get me wrong yeah. It's it's like those actors who like you know they got to get a new uh they, you know they got to get new heat so their agents say well try try stand up and, and they do and you go man what the fuck ever yeah, exactly, it's, it's exactly. kind of like, like rappers who become actors and Samuel Jackson yeah, yeah, get pissed yeah, off thing, yeah. and so I was like okay whatever but man when I saw you do what you do and you were studying and you were when I was in uh, Milwaukee you were there and you were watching and I was like okay and I love that dude and that's why anybody who takes it serious like you do that's why I give you your props man because you're I serious about it. this shit and you did you did a little acting too man you did what the Detroit 187 and yeah, look at you did all your homework look at you yeah man good <laughs> look at you man honestly like is, is that what you want to do though is, is acting later on well I've got an acting agent out of Detroit and what happened was back then Detroit 187 uh, Michigan had been under the, this acting um, grant and a whole bunch of Hollywood was coming to Michigan they needed actors so I got a chance to be in a couple of films uh, that were made right here in Detroit and uh, the, that one series and whatnot. I would love to get into acting. I want to um, take some classes. I know you were taking some classes. You're serious about it. I'm serious about it. Um, I still have my acting agent. As a matter of fact, I'm about to get some new headshots and, you know, just just get get right back into it because now I got time. Now you I have nothing but to, time. And, yeah, and, you, to, and you're in a studio yeah. apartment, so you don't you damn sure want to get out. I mean, you don't want to stay in there. Trust me, I've been in a studio apartment. The last thing you want to do is stay in a studio apartment. When you you were the bedroom, BT, I got a one bedroom. Fuck you. It's a, it's one a bedroom. studio apartment. If you hey, if you if you unblurred that, like I feel like we're in a porno set. If you unblurred that in the background, people would be like, oh my god, like didn't you didn't you like keep some cocaine from the bus you guys did and try to sell it on the street? I mean, why are you living this way? As as a retired, <laughs> as a retired cop, Look, why would man, you live my, my lease is up in December. I already found a new place. Okay, I'm getting out of here. I just had to figure out what I was going to do after I retire. BT. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's okay. Hey, man, it's okay. I mean, you lie to yourself, whatever, man. But I, I know what I'm seeing right now. So, I mean, it's okay, though, bro. I mean, 29 years and that's it. But it's okay, bro. It's okay. I get it. Oh, trust me. Trust me. My ex-wife took half that shit. So that's another reason why I'm in this bitch. So it's okay. Hey, but I would, I would do DoorDash. I would do motherfucking Uber. I would do, I would, I would sell my ass to get the hell away from her. You understand what I'm saying? I would do whatever it takes to get away from her. Okay, so. now, now is it the pressure of the job? You know, we talked about cops and and what they have to deal with, and you know, you get like we've talked. And I know you've seen some yeah. horrible shit. So, was it the pressure of the job, and you come home and give it to her, or was it just a man woman shit? That's that man woman shit, man. Uh, basically, her it was like she never would shut the fuck up and uh, just running off at the goddamn mouth all the time and being disrespectful. You know, just a disrespectful person. So uh, you know, I just. 
I couldn't take it no more. I was I was married for 29 years, man. If I killed her, I would be out by now. That's all I'm saying. D, D, so, D, D. Got, what, okay, what? Now, now how, did you, how did you meet her in the first place? How'd you meet her in the first place? Oh, man, I don't even want to go down. This shit was the worst day of my fucking life, man. It's just like, it's like buying a boat? Smoking. Is it like buying a boat? <laughs> it's like buying a boat, man. It's like buying a fucking boat, man. The best day of my life was getting there. The worst day of my life was getting out. Well, why yeah. did you get married? If you knew she was like that, why did you marry her? I didn't know, man. It was 29 years ago. People changed, BT. You know that's what I'm true. saying? That's true. That's true. I met her when I was in the Marines, you know, and just put up with her bullshit for all them years. And then, uh, you know, we had kids and kids grown. And once they leave the house, you kind of look at each other like, you know, we ain't really got shit in common. I really don't like you, you know. And um, I wanted to get the fuck away. So I got the fuck out. So, so and I knew it was going to cost me. But, you know, sometimes, man, you know, uh, peace of mind. Peace, Peace of, mind. of mind does not have a price. And uh yes. I complain about it, but you know what? It's it's okay because I'm I've got I'm I'm at the cusp of some really good opportunities in front of me and I I'm I'm set financially. I'm good. I'm not hurting. I'm not wanting for anything, you know. So, you know, and I'm sitting here with you. So I'm I'm straight. Man, I don't have to do DoorDash <laughs> right now, but I mean, but it's like, honestly, that's why, hey, as you get older in life and person, and here's what I think, honestly, I just believe once you reach a certain age, any man or woman that you kind of know what the other side is like. It's like, okay, they're going to be like this and they're going to be like this. And after a while, man, it's like, do I really want to put up with this bullshit? Exactly. For another, you don't know how long you got left on this earth. You know, I may have 20, 30 more summers. And nah, do I nah, be with nah. this motherfucker for all this time and be unhappy? 30, you ain't got thirty more summers, man. I mean, okay, twenty five, man. 20, 25, at the most, at the most, D. At the most. I mean, you look good. You look good. You look good. I mean, I don't know what age you are, but you look good. We're about this. We're about the same. How old are you? How old are you? I'm fifty eight. Yeah, man, you look good for 50. I mean, no, you really do. I've seen you yeah. up close. It ain't because, you know, the yeah, whatever. No, yeah. you look good. The filter, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, you, you work out hard. You're you, you same age, 56, 58? I'm 54, I'm 54. I'm 54, okay. You look like you're about 58, but I understand. Okay. <laughs> man, fuck you, man. Don't take, hey, don't take your divorce out on me. I feel I feel like my, my mom used to beat the shit out of me because my, my dad made her mad, you know what I mean? So don't <laughs> don't take the shit out on me. I mean, we both... <laughs> How about this? We both look good. How about that? We, we both, both look good. Black don't crack, baby. You know what I'm saying? I'm only 48 online, so it don't matter. It don't matter. <laughs> is, that, is that what your Tinder profile says? Is that what your mm -hmm. Tinder profile says? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, okay, so listen. I mean, so it's like peace of mind over peace of ass any day. Oh, right? yes, sir. Yes, sir. Peace of mind over peace of ass. Never heard that, but that's awesome. No, it really is because, like I said, man, you don't know how long you have it on this earth. And when, but was, but was it a countdown? Like when you were you waiting for your kids to get eighteen and go, I'm out of here. I did at first, and then um, I had some things go on at the, at work at that time, and we kind of reconnected, and everything was cool. But then as things settled down, kept progressing, um, I started to see, oh man, this this. This is not good. And I just wasn't happy, you know, because this is what happened, BT. I said, I, you know, I just came home. I was like, I just was never happy. And I said, look, I'm, I'm just not happy. I'm not happy in this relationship. And she says, you know what? You can leave anytime you want to. Just leave your pension, your 401k, and all your future earnings here with me. You can go leave that shit here. And she that, said that? She said she that. Said, when she said that, that was it for me. That was a bridge too far. I was like, okay, so that's all I that's all I am to you is my pension 401k and my future earnings. Dude, that next day I went to go see an attorney and I asked him, can she get my pension? Can she get my 
um, uh, 401k. She's my future earner. She said, well, she can get half your pension. She can get half your 401k, but she can't get your future earnings. I said, okay. So I went back and I said, well, I talked to an attorney and he said, you can get half of my pension, half my 401k, but you can't get, I can get all of it and I can't get your future earnings. And I said, no, you can't. Yes, I can. I, you know, cause she's fucking ignorant. And, um, I was like, no. So I, I, I was out. I was, I was done. I was fucking done. And then, um, we settled. Well, we didn't, we go, you know, you go to mediation and because I make all this money from state police and comedy and she ain't educated and ignorant and only make this much money. They kind of want to make you, you know, even bring her up. So they took half my pension. They took 70,000 out of my 401k, gave her ass the house, made me pay her $950 a month for five and a half years for spousal support. And, uh, but she can't get my future earnings. The only thing I got left was, uh, I got a big payoff from, um, some money, um, that I, that was set aside in my, in my, um, uh, deferred retirement option plan account. So I got that money. She didn't get a nickel of that. So I'm straight, man. Is that money, that money make her happy? Fine. Fuck you. Dude, here's what I I don't understand. And I just, how is it? That if the kids are out of, if the kids are 18 and done, how is she's getting money? Shouldn't it be like you dap and yeah. go, hey, good luck, and that's it? No. When you've been married for like 30 years like that, it's like a business. It's like you, she, she gets out. Because the mediation started out where she wanted everything. You know, she act like she of was course. a victim. She wanted my, she wanted my, she told her attorney she wanted my 100% of my pension, 100% of my 401k, the house. Um, spousal support forever, and forever? I take yep, and I take all the debt. So they were like, "You no, got no. okay, no. okay." Here's what that's I'm, where she, that's where it started. That's where negotiations started, BT. And then that's when we got to the half shit. They're like, "No, you can't have all that." Yes, I can. I want it all, like a fucking gargoyle. You know what I'm saying? So, and so, so did you? Did you just go listen? You can take the house. You can take the car and I'm out. Did you did you give her one of those? Like I'm like, listen, no. just take the house and I'm done. No, no, no. I, we I, first of all, I didn't want to be in the same room because I was afraid that I I may jump yeah. over the table. Yeah. So I had my mediate. I had my lawyer do all the talking and whatnot. And yeah. So yeah, man. No, it wasn't. She. It wasn't no. Uh. It wasn't no flexibility with her. It wasn't no. Okay. Well, why don't you do? No, no. It was. It was go for the throat, man. And just lies on top of lies, smearing my whole uh, reputation, calling all my friends, all my family, telling them I left her for a white woman, which is not true. I did not leave her for a white woman. I left her for every white woman, (laughs) every single one in the world, not just one. And you know why? You know why? Peace of mind. Exactly. Peace of mind. He left me for a white woman. Bitch, I love you for every white woman. Every white woman, Asian. Oh my Hispanic, God. If you get an old, old school Asian, like from the uh, old school Asian where you come home and it's quiet in the house, dude, let me tell you something. There's a reason why high profile and African American men have, have Asian wives. There, there is a reason. Now, we, we might get. We might get shit for this, but it said it said unspoken truth. Where yeah. man, 
It, okay, you're coming off a stressful job. The last thing you want to do is get in a shootout when you go to your own home. I mean, it's a verbal shootout, but it's like, God damn, bitch. I, I just came from a, a real shootout. Now I got to yeah. get in a verbal shootout with you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, how yeah, come dinner's yeah. not ready? You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're ducking and dodging her. Hey, there is a reason for that. And that's just, and that's just a fact. You oh, want, dude. like I said, you want calm. And there's a reason for that. Old school, old school Asian women. <sighs> yeah, right? man, just calm, man. I used to come on BT. Like, I would work all day, then I'd come home, jump in the car, drive, like, to Travis City, do a freaking show. Then I don't have a hotel, drive three hours back. I get home, walk in the door at 1 o'clock in the morning. Soon as I open the door and set one foot in the house, I hear her from the upstairs bedroom. Let the dog outside! Like, God damn, bitch, can I get in the fucking house? Man, I was so mad. I'm glad you're telling me these stories, because now, I know for a fact now, I will never, ever, ever Dude, get married. Don't, don't get married. Marriage sucks, man. Marriage is awful. Well, I can, well, I can tell awful. it. No, because it's fresh with you. I mean, I need to talk to somebody who's like in a happy Man, I was married before, man. This is my second time, man. Fool, this is my second time, dog. What is wrong with you? I know. The first time I was in the Marines, I was only married two years. What happened? You know, we were, we were just young. Just young and stupid, you know. And she's one of my best friends now. Me and her are very, very close. Me and her, her husband. You know, she had my first child. We're good. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Um, and then this one, I was married for 29 years, and it just just degraded into into hell. But what, so. what, what, we never got to the point. Why did you join the Marines in the first place? Like, what was your high school like? I mean, were you was your dad in the know. Marines or? Well, or? my dad was a World War II veteran, and I used to always look up and see him as uniform. You know, um, and pictures and stuff. And I actually went to military school from the sixth grade to the ninth. Down in uh, Florida, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then I was in ROTC and all that. And I, I was going to, I was trying to go to West Point at the time, but uh, I got, I got nominated. But then my grades start slipping, so I just went to the Marines because I always had this strong desire to serve, and uh, I why, was going to go in the Army. Huh? Why, why do you have a desire to serve? I mean, because I mean, stereotypically, I mean, and, and this, this is not yeah. throwing shade. I'm not trying to be a joke, whatever, but. And and I'm a firm believer because my dad served too. It got in my you know I grew up in a small town, Oklahoma. Yeah, man, you're a black you're a black man in the '50s growing up in Oklahoma. Man, there is nothing. So my dad said, you know what? I definitely want a better way. So I'm gonna go right. and go to the uh, military. military. I can mm-hmm. travel, make money, learn a trade, and then come back and be a little bit ahead of the game. And that's what he did. Now I know yeah. on the, on the other side of that, there's also why are you gonna serve in their army when uh, their treatment of us is? I mean, which is yeah. you know, and that's a valid that's point. True. I mean, that's, that's why it's, it's called. It's very that's, about, yeah. that's why it's called Tales from a Gemini because I see both sides of the story. So I understand yeah. that part also. So yeah. what what made you have that strong desire to serve? Because like my dad, um, looking at him, and he really enjoyed his time in the military. And uh, I had a bunch of friends that were in the military. I had an uncle that was a colonel in the, in the Army. And uh, I was like, you know, that don't seem like a bad uh, life you know, or lifestyle. So, um, like you said, you, I, I wanted, I was lived in Detroit. I wanted to get the hell out of Detroit. Yes. And, um, I mean, like you said, Oklahoma, and there wasn't a lot of things going on. So I decided to go. And like I said, I was going to make it a career, dude. I would, dude, I was going, I got friends of mine that I went to Marines with. Um, one friend of mine, he did 30 years, man, 30 years. He was in the Marine Corps. It did very well. Lives in Hawaii now, just great kind of guy, you know, I, I would have did the same thing, but then I, I veered off because I've found the you know, state police. And that, that was like the Marines of law enforcement to me. It, it still had 
you know, a lot of pride and belonging and then service to your community. And then I can still have fun and, you know, you make overtime if you work extra. I mean, that was crazy. I never heard of overtime. That was that stuck out in my head. Yeah. And then um, all the different things you can do in the agency from working uh, the road as an officer, then working undercover. I worked in casino gaming. I went to Greece. I did an investigation once, dog. It took me to Greece. Nice. You know nice. I went over there for two and a half weeks, you know, but also that same investigation took me to Mississippi Oh. Where I went down to Mississippi, oh. and me and my white partner, we go into the Mississippi Gaming Control Office first thing in the morning. And guy looks at us and said, "So, what you boys need from Michigan down here, Mississippi?" Oh, <laughs> oh my! So, so, so I see all sides of it, like you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. yeah, but yeah, but it's done now, man. It's done. It's now, done. Did, did you ever want to go to special forces, like anything like that, when you were in? In the military, one time. It's funny you mentioned that in the Marine Corps. Special Forces is recon, yeah, uh, is reconnaissance, and we have like uh, battalion recon and force recon. Now, force recon battalion goes uh, five to ten miles uh, behind enemy lines. Force goes anywhere from ten to fifty miles behind enemy lines, right? And I was a radio operator, and a lot of times force recon people didn't have communicators, so there was a call put out for communicators, and that's what I was. I was a radio man to join, come over to force recon. So on a Friday, my boss came to me and said, "Hey man, they need some, they need some communicators over at force recon. Um, we we're gonna put your name up, but I just want to ask you if you if you really want to do it." I said, "Oh man, that sounds hot, man. I go to jump school, scuba school. Oh yeah, man, that'd be hot." I said, "Well, I said, but before you put my name, just give me the weekend to think about." And I'll tell you on Monday, he says, okay. So that weekend, I'm hanging out with my other Marine buddies. And we're at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. We go up to Washington, D.C. for the weekend to hang out and chase girls over at Howard University and whatnot. <laughs> and they say, hey, man. I said, man, I'm putting in for Force Recon, man. They said, man, are you crazy? I said, what are you talking about? He said, man, you, you'll be gone all the time, man. You'll be gone on real world shit. You'll be... Man, are you nuts? You won't be able to hang out with us. We won't be able to chase bitches no more. You fucking nuts, man. Man, that that Monday I came back. I was like, "Yo, dog, I don't want to do that shit, man. I'm good. What I'm happened? good. What was the point that made you go? Nah, I'm good. What, what was the yeah, point? Yeah, I was like going to DC, chasing Moses and Howard. Women, and and look where you are now in a like, studio apartment. Yep. All because <laughs> all because you chased women. You should have did the recon. Look where you're at now. You're in a blurred out studio apartment. You could have been special bedroom. You could have been the black Jason Bourne, but instead you're talking to me in a one bedroom slash studio apartment. You should have you should have been I'm focused. Good, man. I'm good. You should have been focused. Been focused, I been focused. You're right. I, well, they always said I lack focus. So I've always been told I lack focus. So it's all good. So now, now is it safe to say now? Other than the personal, I mean, other than, you know, what we just talked about, like now, now that you're retired, mm-hmm. now that mm-hmm. you can do what you really want to do, like, mm-hmm. are, 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 is, this, is this the happiest you've been? Oh, yeah, man. This, well, first off, I've been, I've been happy since March 19th, 2019, which is the day I got divorced. So I've been, <laughs> I have been happy since that day. I was a little sad. I ain't gonna lie. I felt a little type of way. At at the beginning, when that's when the gavel came down, but after that, man, I I I, uh, I felt rejuvenated. I felt I had a new lease on life. Um, I got 
after COVID, I mean, my money's been right. Everything's finances right. I met a very nice lady that I see now and um, she brings me nothing but peace. She she is the one of the nicest people I've ever had an opportunity to, to be with. Um, she's caring and kind and nice. Is and she just, white? Exactly. That's, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just say it, man. I don't have nothing against the sisters. Of course we don't. Of course we don't. People don't understand. Man, I, I love all women, but you, that's why I asked. That's why. Because you were like, I was like, yeah. man, the way the, his description is not. <laughs> it's so not this, nice, man. I'm not I don't hear. Go. I don't get the neck, and I don't hear all of this. Blah 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 blah. You hey, know, but, like, but if you end up on Dateline NBC, I know what you did. <laughs> You're, you're gonna go hiking because that's how they do. They go hiking and they go. Ah, oh, I know what's gonna happen now. Yeah, you there, yeah. <laughs> hey, if you watch First Forty Eight and Dateline ABC, <laughs> you see you see the differences. Like on Dateline ABC, they make murder look all nice. Like Dwayne yeah. Gill was the nicest <laughs> ex trooper there. There was. He took his wife hiking. He, he taught Sunday school. He even he even helped the kids learn how to read down at the local library. <laughs> but something went for a turn for the worse. And then yeah, his yeah, pension yeah. his pension went to his ex-wife. And that's when Dwayne snapped. Yeah. No, man, no, no. Mar no she's super nice. Her name is Marjorie. She's super nice. She's so funny because she'll come to me like last summer. She's like, Dwayne, I'm gonna take you on vacation. We're gonna go up north. I'm like, well, what's that? And, and that's because that's what white people do. They go up north. They try to get away from us, right? Of so they course. go up north. Up I don't, north I don't blame. Actually, I don't blame right. them. I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. I'm not even. There's no hater. I, I get it. If I was white, I get it. We're yeah. loud. We're very yeah. loud. I mean, we don't listen. I mean, I always say this. Our greatest asset is also our greatest liability. And I tell uh -huh. people, I, and I try to tell them all the time, I said, if it was up to me, I would make it to where it'd be mandatory where every black person, mandatory, we had to take at least two sessions of 15-minute meditation a day. <laughs> mandatory because that way I, I get the, the, the shootings would stop. There'd be less fights. Be like, you know, like, um, that would help us out. I mean, it really would because we're excitable people. We really are. Yeah, That's why yeah. everybody, everybody watches our sports. Basketball, football. <laughs> we make it exciting. But man, when that shit's not on, a, uh, when that's not a game being played and that's on a regular yeah. street and you get yeah, pulled yeah. over for a traffic yeah. violation and say, I don't know, Traverse City, that doesn't play out too well. You know, it doesn't play out too well. So <laughs> I get them going up north. I get that. There's yeah, no hate yeah. involved. I mean, you get it. I mean, come oh, on. Yeah, but she asked me, but she asked me, she said, where do black people go on vacation? I'll be like, Atlanta. And then. <laughs> Freak Nick. <laughs> Atlanta. Freak, Freak Nick 2019, 2020. Well, she, she took me up north, man. She rented an Airbnb. I'd never been in one of those before. Yeah, that's white people shit. That's white people shit. WPS, man. WPS. WPS. Man, we went kayaking. We went bicycling. We went wineries, breweries. Just all that WPS, man. And it was amazing. Dude, you understand what I'm saying? It, no, no, it really, you know what? You do so much shit that you actually almost forget you're black for a second. Yeah, I mean, you really man. do. <laughs> hey, when you're riding a bicycle on a trail and people are waving at you and you're yeah. eating ice cream and you're going, <laughs> and, and, and it's quiet, you actually can hear ants walking. You go, 
you know what? There's no black people. Everybody's happy. You know what? There's something to this. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, like now I understand why we get pulled over in nice neighborhoods. I get that now. I do. I get that now. I mean, I used to get all mad, but now I understand it. You got nice shit and somebody's in your neighborhood and they got a, and they got, I don't know, like a Ford LTD that has four different color doors. And, and you're driving yeah. real slow, and they're going, nah, pull them over. They ain't supposed to be here. I get that now. BC, we're going to get in trouble on this podcast. You're going to get a complaint. You're going to get in trouble. I mean, this is what I do. This, this is what I do. <laughs> this is what I do, bro. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, okay, so bring me to, and it's great because I know you first set foot on the stage that I used to love. I haven't been there in years, but you did the, uh, the comedy uh, what, in Ann Arbor, the comedy showcase. Yeah. the first place you went up? Well, actually, it was the second. No, no, it was the first. I'm sorry. It, you're right. It was the very first place I did comedy. Uh, it was in 92. I was like, you know what? I want to give this true. Well, first of all, I met Bill Bellamy uh, a couple of years late before. Uh-huh. I used to work backstage security at the Fox Theater in Detroit. Yeah. And he was coming through and he did comedy. And I thought that was just the coolest thing. So I asked him, I said, man, how does somebody get into this line of work? And he says, you have to go to the open mic nights at your local comedy club. So I didn't want to, I didn't know any comedy clubs in Detroit at the time. So I went to, I was working in Ann Arbor. So I went to the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. I went on stage. I did about five minutes and I got laughs and I was hooked. And I started doing comedy on and off from 92 to 95. At the same time, I joined the state police. And then in 95, I did like an Apollo night theater contest in Detroit. I told my first joke and uh, everybody laughed. And then I couldn't think of my second joke. And the crowd just turned on me. Boo, 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 motherfucker. I mean, the the Sandman came out and the motherfucker with the big show business hook came out. And I mean, I quit doing comedy for seven years. I said, I'm not doing it anymore ever. Wow. I'm going to concentrate on my day job and that's it. So then seven years later, I went to a retirement party at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase again. Uh, the comedian was Derek Richards. You know Derek, right? Yeah, yeah, Derek I, love Richards, Derek. Yeah. I love Derek. I love Derek. Yeah, I've yes. been on the, I've been on this podcast. So he was the comedian, and uh, I went and talked to him. I said I want to get back into doing stand up, and he gave me the name of a couple of books to get to read and to learn. And then I went to the American uh, Comedy Institute in New York. I took a week long comedy class uh, right in Manhattan, and at the end we got a chance to perform at Caroline's. Uh, downtown in the, on, on Times Square. And I asked my coach at the time, Stephen Rosenfeld, who runs the place, he still does. So you think I can do this for a living? He said, absolutely. Absolutely. You can make a living doing comedy. And that's all I needed. So I came back to Lansing. I became the house MC at the Comedy Zone. You remember the Comedy Zone in Lansing, right? Man, I honestly, dude, it hurt my heart when it went under because I love that club. I, that I was a great it. club. I love it. And that. I used to be the house MC there. I was the house MC there for two years before it closed. And then after that, I started featuring and I was a feature for Funny Business. And then they started booking me on these corporates. And I started making more money on corporate shows than I was making in the clubs because of my, uh, you know, cop thing, you know. And um, so basically, I do more on the corporate side of comedy than I do the club side. I do the clubs as they come, BT. The corporate comedy, yes. dude, that's where the butter is. You know what I'm saying? And you don't get booed off the stage. You don't get and no same man shit. The- yeah, I, I man. Mean, I mean, you got bad shows, but still, the check's going to clear. 
Yeah, the check's yeah, gonna man. clear, and you better, yeah. and you you get over it. But yes, man, clean, yeah. clean, and corporate pays a lot more than. Oh, and that's what I do, and that's why you asked me if I had anything to push. I really don't because um, my next show is a corporate gig I'm doing on um, up in Mount Pleasant at Soren Eagle for the Michigan Works Association, their annual conference. And then the day after that, I'm up in Mackinac Island doing another corporate show for another conference. So I get, and then I'm in Vegas here in a couple of weeks uh, for a corporate show for a uh, uh, law enforcement recruiting association. So yeah, yeah. Listen, go to Brad, when you're there, go to Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. Oh, I've been uh, there, I've been there, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, well go there and talk to Cindy, whatever, man, because you, you should be working there, but man, definitely do that because you got a great... What you have is is a great perspective, especially being retired now. You can tell the truth, but yeah, you know, but being a comic, you can make it funny. And yeah. where you're yeah. coming from, I mean, you're you're a gold mine, dude. I mean, you really do. You are. do Brad Garrett? Do you do Brad Garrett? Yes, yes, sir. Yes. Well, you need to put in a good word with Sydney because I just be going up there. I've been up there a few times. I've been trying to get into Garrett for a while. But well, yeah, but we'll we'll talk. We'll talk. But yeah, I, it's a few clubs I want to get into. I just haven't been able to because I still had this working thing going. So, I mean, so, so what's the overall goal as far as like just entertainment or just life goal? Because like I said, you're retired now, but you're still healthy. You can still move around. I mean, yeah. and, and you're happy. So like what's yeah. your overall goal now? I mean, like, is it to like really, really get into stand up and maybe, I don't know, maybe try to, uh, your hand in, in, in L.A. or is it, it to produce something like what do you want to do now? You know what? To be honest, I really don't know. Uh, I'm just going to take it as it comes, bro. Um you know, it used to be my goal would be to shoot out to L.A. or New York or something like that and try to take it to the next level. But, dude, you know, between you, like I already say, between me and you, and I'm talking on podcasts, probably millions of people, BT, because I know that you're famous. Stop uh, it. Stop <laughs> it. Stop millions. Stop it. Uh, I, you know what? Let me ask you this. Do you think that uh, us being plus 50 black men in comedy, that Comedy Central, somebody going to put us on TV? You know what I'm saying? Here's the deal. And I hear you. I really do. And I'm because you know what I'm talking. You know what I'm going with. No, no, no. I would never, ever, ever discredit somebody else's opinions or whatever when they ask a question. Yeah. And what I try to do is, and this is how hokey I am, I believe in a limitless mindset. And I try to okay. and, I, and I try to practice that all the time because when it gets hard when you're working out and this and that and I go maybe it's because I'm fit and I try to stop myself because hey man I, you know you give you give yourself excuses anytime yeah. you some you give yourself excuses why is the workout hard well because I'm 54 stop it you know do your goddamn workout <laughs> if, if, if your time is not there then try to improve it and then maybe you go okay maybe it is whatever so that being said yes and no okay yes in the sense of. First of all, Comedy Central has fallen so far off now. It, it's, I mean, it's almost, it's not even laughable because all yeah. they show is, all they show is uh, Daniel Tosh is uh, uh, whatever that show is and South Park. And it's all they show. They don't even show any yeah. stand up anymore. So, so as far as, uh, I think Comedy Central has fallen way off, but I think their online presence is better. But at the same time, yeah, that's more of a, I feel like that's more of a, you know, that 20 to maybe 34, 35, maybe, but, yeah. but, but there, there is, you got to find your fucking space. You got to find, you gotta find your, your space. Find yep, your lane. You got to find your lane. So that being said, you know, writing your own stuff. I mean, now everything is so out there. You can write your own sitcom and do a YouTube series. You can do yeah, something like that. Yeah, YouTube, yeah. So, so you don't really yeah. need LA. You can yeah. do it in Detroit, maybe. Have yeah. a YouTube series. Produce, I mean, trust me, it's a lot yeah. of fucking work, but you ain't got no, I mean. You you're right. Whole, no, no, you're right. You're you right. Know? 
You're I mean, right. so you, right. you, you, you can call it uh, man in the studio. I mean, which is you, you're in an apartment, right? Man in the studio. And, <laughs> and it's about you living, you living with no money and just retired as a cop, and but you're trying to do stand up. And like, you go, who's gonna watch this shit? But I mean, I don't know. I'm just giving you ideas. But honestly, and you never know what might catch. You never know what uh-huh. might catch. I mean, because remember, because remember back in the day, remember everybody wanted to get the Montreal uh, yes. laughs. Remember, yes. remember how that used to be. I, and I, like, I'm still the same way, dude. I mean, I still. Yeah. I mean, I was. I got close. I did some comedy festivals, but not getting Montreal. Yeah. Every time I see people like my buddy Alonzo when he does, does it, I'm happy for him. But man, uh, that still yeah. hurts. I mean, that still hits hard because I mean, to me, once you make Montreal, it just means like you made it in a way. That's, you know remember, I mean? remember that exactly. Yes. So what is it? You tell me. What is it now for us? That when you do, you know you there. You know you made it. What is it? It's nothing now. I mean, that I well, know of. You know what? The, one of the greatest things. I, I had an episode with uh, KP Anderson. KP Anderson won an Emmy with uh, for uh, uh, E Entertainment. He, and and he's white, but he's written for DL Hughley for Cedric Entertainer. He's written for everybody. And it's made. He says. When he won that Emmy, he goes, he was playing cards with his buddy. And the TV was on, and he go, and the Emmy goes to, and he goes, he's playing cards. And he go, KP Anderson, but he goes, I just won an Emmy. And they keep playing cards. And he goes, <laughs> and he goes, the Emmy got delivered through regular mail. It was, it was uh-huh. sitting on his, his doorstep. And he had, and, and it was a heavy package. And he goes, oh, my Emmy just came. And he goes, when it happens, you look at it as, hey, I'm just going to work. You're just doing your job. Like it's never like that, that, that. It's never like that. Like moment you think it's gonna be like, bum, bum, bum. oh my god, I gotta call everybody. I made it. It's just a series of steps to get yeah. there. I mean, and it's like, okay, boom. Okay, you, you do a TV appearance. Okay, and and you get excited about it as well. You should, but you kill it, and then you gotta think, okay, where about where am I working next? Boom, and you just keep doing the work, just putting the work, yeah, and okay. a series of steps, and all of a sudden, you, and maybe you stop and you go. Huh, I did this, I did that. That's cool. Okay, what's the yeah. next step? And you you acknowledge it, have fun, but then you keep moving on. And there's never that big bump, 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 because you should be always always reaching. From- okay, I like that perspective. Let me ask you this, BT. Did you ever do uh, Comics Unleashed? With Byron Allen? Did you ever do that? No, that one that one hurt. I didn't do Comics Unleashed. Are, are you talking about with Byron Allen? Yeah, with Byron Allen. Comics Unleashed. Check this out. I was supposed to do it. I don't know what happened. Something happened, but I remember being in a hotel room in Tennessee. And they and they and I was, and I called the producer up because something happened, and we talked. And that was one of the few times that when somebody could help me out, that they pissed me off. That I actually kind of talked back to him and yelled back, "Go, no, man, you said." And he goes, well, "I'm busy," and he hung up on me. And uh-huh. I was and I almost said, "Man, well, fuck you." I mean, I was, and, you know, man, I'm kind of a kiss ass in a way, but I was like, "Well, f- yeah. I almost said, well, fuck you, then." And uh, and I didn't get it. And I was like, "Okay, fuck it, I didn't get it." And I wasn't really upset about it. But no, I never did a comic unleash. But you know what? In a way. Yeah. I'm kind of glad I didn't. In a way, I'm kind of glad because I mean, he set it up so like you just basically did bits, and he set it up like like he so it was he was like Spud Webb. He would throw it up and you yeah, slam and it. you slam it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I didn't it's really it. like that show at all. But any TV helps. But yeah, I didn't. So I didn't really care that I didn't get that. I wanted some, you know, some other stuff. And like I yeah. said, man, ser- I mean, your your career it should go like this. But man, sometimes you get a, pl- a, a place you go. What the fuck is going on here? And then, well, like, you know where I first knew you guys, where I knew you from, and I didn't know you, and I just I always looked up to you. I didn't know you for years when I first started doing comedy, but you were one of those headshots that I used to see in the clubs over the years, and I'd be like, oh man, that's BT, that's BT. I can't wait to meet BT one day, you know, because it was you and events and um uh who who was that the other brother? He was a cop. 
Billy and D. Played, Billy D. Billy D. Y'all and and Lewis. Y'all used to do that. Uh, ask. Uh, what, what, ask a black, do, it was a, it was called the Sellout Comedy Tour and Sellout because all of us. You know, we're called sellouts because of what we did. And it was like, and it was beautiful. I mean, you, maybe you've gone through this. And the fact yeah. that when Billy D was a cop, they go, oh, how can you be a cop, man, for what they do to us? And he got called a sellout. And I got called a sellout because, you know, I listened to rock and roll and, and, yeah. had, and, and he, white, you know, hanging out in a small town, Oklahoma, you had white friends and everything. And they're like, you yeah. sell out that. And so everybody, and that was, you know, when the lines were drawn like this and there was definitely right. no in between. So that's what we were called sellouts. So at the very end, we have people fill it out anonymously, ask a black man anything you wanted to, but what? But were afraid to and it was anonymous yeah. and yeah. once you read the first question and they knew and the people knew that it wasn't a ringer that it was actually from them then you see them going let me see a pen and they start writing it and that's when it got fun I mean that's Dude. when because we come out and did our first 15 minutes and it was whatever whatever but man when you got to that ask a black man anything you wanted to ask what you're afraid to let me tell you something watching people's like and they start writing it down and I just remember man like the question I always remember that made me laugh the most we were in Utah and the question was why does my dad hate you guys so much? And I remember, wow. and I remember this black dude stood up and he left. He got so mad he left. But I mean, but we showed that, hey, that's from you people. That's that's your mindsets. So we read uh -huh. those. Like we would read them. I mean, our our, our philosophy was, hey, we'll we'll read all of them. We won't answer them, but just just to show you what kind of people you you know that you live by. And we, wow, and, and that's dude, the one I that, always remember. That tour was amazing. And I don't know what happened, but man. I wish that you guys would have just kept doing that, man, because that's when I met Vince. Um, I still have yet to meet Lewis in person, even though we've talked and been on podcasts together. Um, and then um, I've never met Billy D. I've always still wanted to meet him, but I've had an opportunity to hang out with you. And this just been it was like a highlight of my career when you meet your um, you meet the guys that you look up to and then you get to work with them or hang out with them. It's always a, it was always a big deal to me, you know, like Alonzo, like when I hung out with Alonzo Biden, you know, and he got my Escalade. He's like, dude, you're an MC. How do you got to escalate? I, I'm on TV and I drive a Toyota Camry. I'm like, hey, motherfucker, I got I got a job. <laughs> hey, but this was this was pre-divorce, too, though. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I still got my Escalade, man. Fuck you. No, I know you do because you gave me a ride. Remember? You gave me a ride for that shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, did, man. exactly. Yeah, no, but it's so. the truth. No, because I mean, I just I'm a firm believer, man. There's no reason to have an attitude. I just want people to, I want people to win. I really do, yeah. especially good people like yourself. Yeah, I yeah. do. I want cuz my philosophy is always, man, look, there's you could everybody can make some money. I mean, there's unlimited money here. You can make some money. You can find like I said, you can find your own niche. Like I said, yeah. and I mean from the bottom of my heart, you can make your own YouTube special. You been I mean, LA now is not so much needed like it, you know, stereotypically was. Like it used to be, yeah. Yeah, you can do your own thing. You, you just got to find your way, sit, you know, sit back and think about how how am I going to come up? And what's my deal? You know, and like I said, man, maybe you have your own little series, have your own, maybe your own little blog, maybe your own little, you know, soliloquy. Where you, yeah, yeah, pocket, whatever, whatever. And hopefully it gets some heat or whatever. Hey, man, you just never know. So find yeah. your own lane and you go from there. And like I said, man, you never know. You might take off. And I hope you do. Because I mean, because you're a good dude. And like, and I just loved it how, you know, when I was hitting you up, hey, man, you want to be on? You go, hey, man, wait till I retire. And then I'll come on. I was like, gotcha. And, and that part that let me know what kind of dude I was dealing with. I go, gotcha, brother. Yeah, but I just want, I just want to be free, man. I'm, I'm finally, I, I can be free. I don't have to worry about, you know, what I said. Then the public sees it. Then somebody calls in and complains. The next thing I'm in my boss's office. The next thing you know, I get it. It's, it's just, it was a whole rigmarole, man. It's crazy.
Here's a question I wanted to ask you, being a cop. Was there ever a cop that you met, whatever, through whatever, whatever, and, you, and your first thing was, oh, this motherfucker's definitely going to get some civil rights fucking lawsuits on him? Did you, did you, did you, did you, have you ever met a cop like that before? Oh, yeah. They, you have some folks that used to be like that. Yeah, yeah. But this is the thing. Like, I'll give you an example. One time I was working undercover. And uh, we had did a raid on this house, like this crack house back in the day. And we had everybody handcuffed. And so one of the, my lieutenant at the time, he just picks up one of the, one of the guys, you know, like by his shoulder or something. And the guy's like, ah, you hurt me, you know? And, and just, and I said, yo, man, yo, you ain't gotta treat him like he already handcuffed, you know, stop it, you know? And I just felt that that was just, that was, that was too much. Right. But, well, we have to have, you have to have more police officers that have the intestinal fortitude to, when they see something that's, that's being done wrong, to say something about it and to stop that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because when you don't, you're complicit right along with it. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel it. And also, but, but is there a sense of, and I know, and you know, people say good cop, bad cop, but is the good cop put in a position where he can, uh, in, in, endure the wrath of the bad cops because you know they're little gangs and, and cops yeah. and what if, what if yeah. they all get together and kind of like you know I mean and it's been done especially it's in LA done. or whatever yeah. you know so yeah. I mean yeah. the, the, uh, what, what what do you say to that I mean you, what, you still you 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 got to stand up for what's right man you know you got to do the right thing all the time and I'll be honest with you as much as I sometimes don't like the agency that I used to work for the one thing that I can say is that the majority of the folks that work for my agency are professionals and they do not believe in violating folks' rights. And if you, if we see somebody violating somebody else's rights, we're going to turn you in and not, you know, just like anybody else. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to stand by and allow that to happen. You know, I think it's more good people than it is bad people. Yes. In my I, agency. You, yes. you see what I'm saying? In the okay. agency that I was a part of. And I and I and I can say that with, uh, you know, with confidence, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in that. And I tell people all the time and, and truth be told, like I said, man, truth be told. I mean, I mean every time I, you know, 98 percent of the time I got pulled over, I deserve to get pulled over. So I was always. <laughs> yes, sir, sir, And I had my hands like this and I wrote one down and I went like it. And they were always really cool to me. And the best. The best is when that cop just wants to go home and you're yes, sir, no, sir. And the uh -huh. best when he goes, listen, you're not supposed to drive this car. And that's when I, I'm getting out of this. And he goes, but me and my buddy, we're going that way. And that's when I went, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then they would always do that U-turn and they give me that flash. And I turned a thousand ten, and I was and I was gone, and that was gone. the best. Yeah, so yeah. it was always to me. It was always treating respect. And every now and then, like I said, there's maybe a point one percent where it's like, you know what, this motherfucker here, and I was like, okay, and I had to really like tap into my my, my zen moment because I knew it was gonna be trouble. Because I mean, I because I, I, I was one of I'm one of those dudes who keeps it all in, even when I you know should let it stuff out, I keep it all in. But I'm always nice to everybody. But when I feel I'm getting played, and it's yeah. gonna come out nasty. And, it was a, and there was, like I said, a 0.2% maybe cops that, that pushed my yeah. button. Where yeah. I was like, all right, okay, okay. And I had to like, <laughs> you yeah, funny. I had to, yeah, because trust me, I know where I'm at at all times. So, you know what I mean? Right. But yeah. So, but I well, just, cool, bro. man, 
honestly, from the bottom of my heart, dude, I've always wanted to get you and just, you know, pick your brain in an in 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 area that it was just me and you, no outside noise, and just yeah. fucking find out what my man tier is all about. Because I know we talked cool. about you had some opportunities when you retired and you were happy. And, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart, man. I'm glad you got out. I'm glad. And my, do you know? Do you know Alvin Williams? You know, Al, do you know Alvin? Yeah, yeah, I know Alvin from Minnesota. Let me tell you something, man. That motherfucker goes. He sent me this snapshot of you and your retirement photo. He goes, "Is it just me, or just motherfucker been retired for the last year?" <laughs> <laughs> oh so, man, so we're happy for you, brother. I'm glad you're out. And honestly, it will be. I would love to do a show with you, man. I don't care how we do it. I would love to do a show with you because I respect the hell out of you for what you did, for what you stand for. You are a man. I mean it. You're a man of merit. You're a man of pride. And you're also, you put comedy there and you're serious about your craft. So, man, find your way in this business. Let's work together. Let's get this money, man. I mean, if I'm going to buy It's enough for everybody. All right, baby. Appreciate Dwayne Gill. Follow Dwayne Gill. You can follow him on uh, Instagram. Promote your shit, man. Promote your shit. Yeah, well, you know, I'm on Instagram at the Comedy Cop, all one word, the Comedy Cop. Same thing on Twitter, the Comedy Cop of Dwayne L. Gill. Uh, Facebook, Dwayne L. Gill. And I'm also on uh, OnlyFans, Detroit BBC 1974. Uh, <laughs> I was like, whoa, you're OnlyFans? Holy shit. I'm like, I'm not even a dude like that, but I might go just to see what you're doing. <laughs> just joking, just joking. Just Cops just after joke. hours, like, oh my God, Dwayne. <laughs> these are jokes, man. But you need a subscription. So you need a subscription. So you said, you, you got OnlyFans because, yeah, you you only because, you, because your wife took everything. Else, that's, so you, you, said you said make a way. You said make a way, right? Right. I may have to. I may have to start doing some low budget porn. <laughs> All right, man. Dwayne, good talking to you, brother. Be good, man. I'm BT with Tales of Jim, and I thank you guys for watching. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Until next time, you know the word. Peace.